Welcome to the only Baltimore podcast where there's two hosts stalking around M&T Bank Stadium pregame before a Ravens game. It's the Exit 52 podcast, week two of the podcast and Banks. I think we need to talk about the atmosphere or not atmosphere that was around the stadium this week. You and I both at separate times popped around Baltimore, including right around M&T Bank Stadium. You uh, featured in, uh, in Ravens Wired, so, so shout out to you for that. Uh, but kind of a bizarre, always awesome, kind of bizarre always scene. awesome. Yeah, talk yes. about that. You were you were trying to get the whole the whole entrance, and and the Ravens the Ravens stopped you. No harm, no foul. The Ravens who then made it up to you by putting you in. But sure, always awesome, man. It's I mean it's game day. It's week one. I'm fired up to be out there to watch my Ravens. I'm used to going in and going into the stadium, getting the whole game day feel, tailgate, lot H, all that great stuff. Um, obviously, we know that the stadium is shut down. None of that is going on. I was surprised to find. When I went over to Lot H at about 1130, uh, 12 o'clock, that literally not a soul was over there in Lot Nobody. There was, was nobody empty. there. I thought that there might be some of those diehards, you know, your your camo pant type guys that were going to be out there, <laughs> just not giving a shit about the rules or this, that, and the other. Now, they had barricaded the, uh, the fronts of the lots and all that good stuff. So I get it. You can't really pull into the lot, but... I went right on there on my scooter, scooter right into the lot and uh, hung out there and, and, and did a lap around the stadium and just looked around and got a feel for the environment. And it was, it was as eerie as everyone has said. Um, got a few messages from people inside the stadium that, that work for the team or work as ushers, which I don't know why they're ushers. Uh, for this kind of game, but it, it, it was wild. You don't think there would be like that many people in there. And as I was standing out on Ravens walk, filming my preview, which took me about 30 takes, I'm just watching employees stream into the stadium and I work Where in sports and, and I'm thinking there's way too many people here, but I mean, there's w- so much to an operation of a stadium, but it was wild. People should know about your scooter. I mean, that is, you're one of the <laughs> scooter men of your time. I, I may be the king of the scooters here in Baltimore. I had a job. And oh, wow. was close enough by where I, I bought my own scooter. The thing folded right up. I walk right into the office with it. Big time scooter guy. People don't know that about me. But yes, I scootered over into the parking lot. Um, I mean, I woke up with that game day feel. I know I was all fired up and I went over there and you could, Looking into the stadium, you could see the game day feel. I mean, I went up to the gates. I took a few pictures. I could see the players warming up. Um, there was definitely a, a, an element where it was palpable, but it wasn't clearly the same when you've got streams of people walking over the bridge. Um, but there were some people lingering around just trying to check out the scene, and I, I found a nice little window there underneath the, the bridge that goes from the light rail over to the stadium where there's a fence and I could see right through the stadium, like through the tunnel onto the field. And you can see on my Twitter at Barcelona Banks, nice little plug there. Uh, I had a pretty good view into the stadium and I had planned on taking a video of the team running out onto the field, which I thought would have been fantastic footage for just given the scenario at hand with COVID and everything would have gone viral with the whole spin on it. Like, Oh, from the outside, looking in the set and the other great pub for exit 52. And sure enough, I'm there at like 1250, 1255 knowing I got my right here. I can get home for my kick easily. uh, As long as I just get on it right after I take my video. 
I'm waiting for the video. I see the team accumulate. They're kind of dark in the shadows there a little bit. I saw the Browns walk around the tunnel to, you know, in the, on the whatever concourse they have under the stadium. They walked over to the far side, and then I saw the Ravens accumulate in the tunnel, and I saw some of the smoke start to get going. I started getting them game day feels, you know? The, 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 yeah. The Lewis, like – smoke going and everything and i'm like oh man goosebumps feel like game day finally week one and then this little garage door <laughs> down just drops down i don't know if it's for them to set the ambiance i don't know if it's the pyrotechnics that they have with the smoke and everything where they don't want it kind of going into the tunnel and filling that up i don't know what it is but they they basically lowered a garage door which shut off my view of the entire thing and then I heard the, the fireworks the, with the cannon shots, whatever they do when they run out on the field. And I'm like, damn, I missed my shot. It sucks. It's uh, yeah. That part sucked. It was it the, sucked. The not having any ambience. It was, I got, it was I got a couple good shots of the team there and just through the fence and everything. And that was like a consolation, but sure enough, whoever does the camera work, which they do phenomenal work for you. They've been doing they it. Cer- they certainly do. At Ravens wired. They, they took a, just a, quite a shot, a video shot past RG3 and the team and Orlando <laughs> Brown over their shoulders of me on my phone trying to get that contact. The desperate Ravens like, fan. The desperate dies. Ravens fan who needed to not. I needed, needed the football the so bad. I had you to be and, a part you, of it. You and Captain Defense, who when I was out there, Captain Defense and a couple of, I'm assuming his cronies, out there chilling in front of the Ray Lewis statue, standing guard. Where's, where's Captain Defense at game time? Did, I don't know. He could have still been around there. I, 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 uh, I don't know. Had, I, I didn't see him party. anywhere. I appreciate yeah. him being out there and doing his thing on game day, making his rounds. But he wasn't there a kick. I mean, I was there ready to go, um, trying to get my content on, Exit 52 podcast, trying to get that name out there. Um, it was a mixed bag. But overall, getting into Ravens Wire was – was pretty sweet and uh we'll take it we'll absolutely take it. it was it was very cool rdt what was your game day experience like you were not obviously in the city but what was uh what was sort of the vibe for you kind of getting up that day it was just it was so exciting that football back like i got up and i i think i woke up at like 7 a.m i was so excited and then you're like all of sort of the the pageantry is just kind of not there but it was still awesome it was a weird feeling it was it was definitely weird um same thing with like like you i got up early you know you have a 22 month old and they'll do that to you they'll get you (laughs) up early um but yeah you know i'm up i'm like all right what am i gonna eat where am i gonna get wings from i I gotta do this by 12 30 i literally told my wife i had like a bunch of errands to do and i was like i gotta be done by 12 15 because i'm planting my ass on the couch and and i'm i'm watching all eight hours of this football today and yeah you know i'm i'm getting ready and i'm double checking my 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 you know fantasy numbers and stuff like that and double guessing you know guessing everyone and is this the right pick and all that and then you know that 1255 i'm like all right let's see if i still got it remember the red zone channel <laughs> for, first time too so it was nice going into that uh you know one for one on the year and yeah i mean i was like i'm i'm gonna sit here because my team titans didn't play till monday night so i literally just got to sit back and where I don't, my wife won't allow me to have a two TV setup, you know, in like a living room. Uh, we got a two quote, TV. We were quote, a two TV setup. This terrible. is not a frat Get house. Three boys. Come on. Oh, that's I, awful. I could if I would, but <laughs> where I'm sitting right now, I have my main TV to the right, and then I can see straight through the living room where we have our other TV mounted. 
So I kind of made our own two TV Workaround, I love it. So nice. I had the Ravens on the TV straight ahead of me, and then I had the red zone on my big one right here. Um, yeah, and it was, it was, you know, it was a lovely little Sunday. I'm still wondering, was there just no security around the parking lots? Like, I, so so the they, situation that I saw was everything was pretty barricaded. There was some security out there, but I, I don't – I think they just figured there wasn't really any reason to come down. And, and really there wasn't. I, like being around there, like 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 I said, I'm 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 thinking there's gonna be people down here trying to figure out how to tailgate or do yeah, yeah like people are gonna pull up with their cars and that's who yeah. you need security for. And especially because I live down here in Fed Hill and, and outside of Checker Spot Brew, which is down by those lots, there's been people out there essentially doing that throughout. That's the, the only place pandemic. I saw anybody. Um, and that lot was open. That was like the closest parking lot, which is like a tough company name to say, because I understand what they're trying to do there, trying to advertise the closest parking. But yeah, there was, I mean, there's really nothing. And I think, I think obviously they, they, they didn't really need it because people were out there and, and there was nothing to really, be, really see. So you got the sense that the, the, these people in their red jackets, the security, whatever it is that are, I don't know, they're, they're, they surround maybe a hundred feet from each other. Uh, they kind of had the perimeter surrounded to a degree, and I feel like they they had the impression that more people would be around. And then at the certain point when they realized that there are so few people around, they kind of just let people do whatever they wanted because mm-hmm, sure. there's only so many people you can keep an eye on them. I got to a certain point. Um, let me think about the the cardinal direction over towards towards that checker spot area up on the other side of the light rail bridge closest to the stadium. There was, as I'm scootering around, doing my thing. Scooting. I'm scooting. You know, your boy always scooting. Um, and an usher, whatever you want to call him, security guy, kind of nudged me and said, okay, like, this is a stretch here for COVID reasons, um, where the media gate is, where the player's entrance is. That little portion of the stadium perimeter was blocked off. They, they kind of sure. said, hey, and we would appreciate it if you turned around. And I said, sure, you know. You know, I don't want to cause any fuss here. I, you know, already kind of scoped out the places I wanted to try to get whatever content I could. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was weird for sure. But the uh, they didn't really have a problem with me scooting around and uh, doing my thing at all. Yeah, no doubt, and and won't be an issue this week because the Ravens don't play at home. The Ravens head to Houston to, to face the Texans. Before we get to our Texans Ravens preview. We are going to try at the beginning of each episode around the sort of first topic uh, for someone to ask a trivia question to the other two of us. And we will think about it through the rest of the show and then answer at the end. Banks, you are the question asker this week for the trivia question. So the floor is yours. Sure. Um, did a little research here for, for reasons that will reveal themselves. And I think when I ask the question, it will, it'll reveal itself. Um, in the post-merger era, so that's 1979, and actually it's, uh, I, I believe if I stretch out the search, it's for all football, whatever. Um, who were who the top five passer rating quarterbacks in their first 23 career starts? Ah, well, that makes sense why you're asking. Yes, I, uh, I think you can imagine who might be in the picture here. Yep. Uh, I don't know if we want to discuss uh, or just kind of blurt out or cut down on those top five at all, but I, I'm ready to discuss all five of them whenever we're ready. And uh, we're going to circle back at the end of the show and uh, 
kind of build that into the discussion, I think. Me and RDT will have that marinade as I believe we go into a game that could have two people featured on that list, and that's Ravens-Texans 425 CBS. With I got a special shout-out to my man Kevin Harlan on the call. Love Kevin Harlan. Um, He will be calling play-by-play for the game this weekend. We obviously did the instant analysis on Sunday. We'll be bringing that to you after every game, right after – the end of the game, we will jump on and talk. So don't need to, to go over too much of these specifics. But I think the interesting part of this, now coming off of the full NFL weekend, and, and already team interested in, in your take as not a Ravens fan, is where do you feel like the Ravens at this point stack up after one week in the rest of the AFC? We'll leave the NFC for, for down the road. But you root for a very good AFC team in the Titans. We watched the Chiefs look as advertised on Thursday. We watched the Steelers be okay on Monday. Not great. Okay. Um, and, then, and then you have the Patriots who, who look like they haven't missed a beat with Cam Newton. Where do you feel like going into this game, which is a, a marquee Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, you hope you get this for ne- the next 10 years and the Texans who are, who are a pretty good team. Where do you feel like the Ravens sit right now? I think they've got to be just a step below on the ladder, like the chiefs, which is pretty much, I think where everyone I, I could see people making a case for the Ravens being, you know, I mean, especially just how they looked on, on Sunday with them being, you know, right there in line with the chiefs. I just, I do think the chiefs are better. Um, but I, I mean, it's, it's not by much. And, and, you know, I, I, I think they're definitely in that, that class above the, the Titans, the, the Steelers, the bills, the Patriots, all those guys. I don't think they can hold a candle to the chiefs or the Ravens. I, I just think, I think the chiefs are a more, I don't want to say complete team because they don't have the defense that the Ravens have. I, I just think the chiefs are so damn good. It's um, I, I, and this will probably be a better conversation for after the week three game, when we see, you know, the chiefs and, and Ravens line up against each other. But yeah, I, I, I would put them, I, I think they're the second best team in the AFC and it's, it's, it's not a very big gap in between one and two. Yeah, there's no question that I think everyone would agree that this is a two-horse race in the AFC. There are other people that are in the mix there that are, but there, there's almost an entire tier between the Chiefs and the Ravens and the rest of the pack. And us here in Baltimore had to go through this, I don't know, emotional process, this grieving process almost from the loss in January where we had this this magical fun season last year but then it went away so quickly and so suddenly and so shockingly that it's human nature to have some seeds of doubt planted now the evidence was so strong and so prevalent and it happened in so many games last year for Lamar Jackson and what he accomplished that it seemed it didn't even seem perceivable to have that confidence shaken by one simple game, but that's the way it goes when you lose in the playoffs the way that they did. So I think everybody went into the game last week looking for some reassurance as to was what we saw last year an illusion? Is there actually a blueprint to stopping Lamar Jackson? No matter how strong a believer you were in what Lamar Jackson did in the regular season last year, which I was a very strong believer there needed to be some reassurance given in week one by the entire team and Lamar Jackson. And they, I think, blew that expectation out of the water with a 38 to six win where I think Lamar Jackson from a quarterback and a throwing standpoint was 
just so like that much better than he was last season. I mean, I, like as a pocket passer, his entire demeanor in the pocket, he was so composed and we did see that last season, but his ball placement, his, his confidence and just the fact that he rebounded gave me so much more assurance that what happened last year was just kind of a perfect storm where, and this happens in football. That's why we play the games fourth down failures that, and, and some turnovers, and then you spiral and you get behind. And we, of course, we're not going to feel like we have that reassurance fully until we see Lamar fall behind. And what's <laughs> the tough thing is that he is so good that we almost feel like he'll never be behind until you see a team like the Chiefs and maybe the Texans. We'll see what happens this week with that. Yeah, I think that the Texans – provide the problem always of having the star quarterback. And that is a unique problem that the other contenders in the AFC besides the Chiefs and maybe the Patriots, if, if Cam is Cam, don't have. The, the RDT's Titans know exactly who they are. Derrick Henry's going to carry the ball 30 times. They're going to just pound it and try to not miss 18 field goals. Tannehill threw um, for 77 yards in that playoff game. It, it, threw mm-hmm. 77 yards and didn't air it out a ton on Monday. And that's okay. But, they, but, but they win. They win way easier if their kicker isn't an absolute joke, which is yeah. what Steven just said. Uh, that's that's okay. Game and I don't have to stay up till 1.30. Yeah. Like. yeah I mean, you, we, you're, you, get to, you get to not wake up. You know, you get three hours of sleep instead of yeah. two hours of sleep. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's the bottom line. That team knows who it is. The, the Bills do too, but Josh Allen is a roller coaster ride, as he was when he looks awesome at times and then looks like he has no clue where the ball's going. Um, he, I think, had somehow the worst throw of the weekend in a win where he overthrew a wide-open guy to back the end zone by about 18 feet. Um, it was a similar throw to Lamar's to Mark <laughs> Andrews, um, and maybe Mark Andrews catches that ball from, from Josh Allen. But I think to go back to the original question, I think it's clear the two best teams are the Chiefs and the Ravens in some order. I think it's hard to take the Chiefs off their perch. As biased as we may be as, as, as Ravens guys, me and Banks, I don't think I can take the Chiefs off of it yet until those teams play. And thankfully, we get that really early. And moving to this game, the Texans looked, you know, okay on Thursday at times. I don't think that was a sloppy game. And I think those Thursday night games always kind of stink. I don't think there's ever been a legendary opening Thursday night game in the NFL. Um, but Deshaun Watson has got to be watching, you know, DeAndre Hopkins catch 18 balls or whatever from, from Kyler Murray and think, what, what are we doing? You know, why does that guy not still on my team? <laughs> um, but I think my guy, Will Fuller V is good. I think David Johnson looks rejuvenated and I think they provide way more offensive problems despite a lack of star power on the outside than the sort of hapless Browns did on Sunday. So that will be interesting to watch the Ravens defense just deal with a guy in Deshaun Watson. That's a star. I mean, he is a, he's a great player. There's no question that he's a great player. Um, what would concern me a little bit more is the, the game-breaking talent that they have on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the way I saw J.J. Watt ragdoll Joe Flacco a few times over the year <laughs> will, is burned into my memory. Especially with how elusive Joe is. I mean, it's hard to bring him down. (laughs) I mean, he's – people forget that he outran uh, many quarterbacks who you think are mobile at the NFL Combine. I think Baker Mayfield ran a slower 40 time. Uh, 4.82, if I recall correctly. The fact that I have that sort of way – Yeah, yeah. stay stay tuned for our off-season podcast where we run down Joe Flacco's 40 time. 
I can talk about Joe Flacco whenever. I know. I mean, we'll probably we're going to do it a little bit later in the show. We'll do that Jets week. Yeah, we call that a tease in the days. Um, But anyways, it's clear to me that these teams, while there is a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball, and Deshaun is is a is a very good quarterback, uh, pretty special. I don't think that he can keep up with the likes of Lamar Jackson unless he has some of those game-breaking type of plays occur on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to be the case for just about every game on the schedule besides potentially just the Chiefs. So um, it's almost like we go into games at this point holding our breath, just saying, let's just hope things go to plan. Let's, you know, and, and, and we kind of just sit here because – because the, the Ravens are so dynamic and so talented in, in what they do, and you know what they do. They're going to – they're gonna, you know exactly what they're bringing to the table every single week. So they control the, the narrative of the game, and it's just a matter of whether the team – the other team can disrupt it. So I feel like if I go into every game and try to write a preview for it for the blog or we talk about it on this podcast, it's going to be the same – can this other team slow down Lamar Jackson? Can they cause a turnover? And can they keep up? And so Mm -hmm. you have to have a pretty unique blend to do both of those things. Yeah, I I texted someone this weekend, and it's almost weird watching the Ravens at this point in the sense that I'm almost waiting for a problem to arise. And you're you're just waiting for something to go wrong so you have something to worry about. And that's such a weird place to be in as a fan. It's so weird. You're just waiting for them to get back in the playoffs. And, and the Ravens have never been in this position where, I mean, there's been times where you felt like that defensively, but offensively, it, you're just – I'm waiting for the time where it goes wrong, and it just has not gone wrong in, in a year now game, essentially, except for the playoffs. Um, so you're not just waiting for the playoffs. And that's a, that's a weird way to preview a game in week two to say, hey, <laughs> see you in – See in 17 weeks or 16 yeah, it's, weeks. It's, but like, it, it, it's just a bizarre, it's a bizarre scenario. There's, there's two thoughts that come to mind immediately when you say that. It's one, we grew up with teams that even if they were dominant, really good teams that would go 12 and four, they always had to grind and scratch out wins where one freakish play could bring a team back into the game or give yep. what they needed to get ahead where we had the likes of, a Trent Dilfer, an Elvis Gerback, a Kyle Bowler, whatever it might be, if they got into Don't the leave out Anthony Wright. Don't leave Anthony out Anthony Wright. Wright. Yep. I left him out because he actually kind of showed out here and there. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Anthony Wright. But uh, the other thought was, um, and Taylor and Eric, you're both with me on this. It, it's like being, uh, it's the early phases of what I felt for most of my life as a Washington Capitals fan where the team would disappoint in the playoffs and they were so good where you just knew that they were going to dominate for the majority of the regular season. You would see them do it and it would be a ton of fun. I mean, watching particularly in the last 15 years, Ovechkin do what he does, dominate in the regular season, score a ton of goals, very offensive, uh, offensively minded team, just have a shit ton of fun. But ultimately you're just waiting for April or May to see if they can get it done on playoffs. And it's, it's borderline unfair, but it's the way that it is with how good they played last year and how the last two postseasons have gone, that that's the way nationally and locally that things are looked at. And it sucks because I did some research today. 
I guess I had forgotten that Lamar Jackson was like a hundred by 180 days, a whole half year, the youngest quarterback to ever start a playoff game in his first playoff game. Oh yeah. Yeah. His second playoff start, which was a year later was he, if, if that was his first start, he still would have been the fifth youngest quarterback to ever start playoff game. So he has had two separate postseasons before most quarterbacks even sniff the playoffs. And if he were to start a playoff game this year, he would still be, I think, somewhat around the 20th youngest quarterback to ever start a playoff game. So In year three, which is he wild. Because he was good enough to get the playoffs in order to lose a game or to disappoint, whereas other quarterbacks don't even sniff that opportunity. So, how, I mean, yeah. how fair is that to Lamar Jackson, especially if he doesn't lose that first game against the Chargers in a season where he took over in the middle of the season and Greg Roman had to put together a playbook on the fly, rebuild a team just to get to the playoffs. And because he loses that game, he has that initial first mark on his report card where that second loss makes it look like a repetitive narrative. That's, it's the, I understand that that's the way that it is, but it feels unfair to a 23-year-old who has done nothing but crush the league up to that point. You're saying that, that, it, that there's unfair narratives in the, in the media? No. No, 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 no not no. possibly. Let's go around the horn here. Predictions on this game. Uh, RDT, I'll start with you. I mean, I think it's going to be like the, it's going to be like every Texans game we've seen where Deshaun Watson's going to make some unreal plays. And then for 75% of the game too, he's going to be absolutely running for his life. Yep. I mean, and, and that's, I feel like every play you see, he's scrambling or, you know, he's bootlegging out because he doesn't have any time and they got to create some time or with the one play where he got kicked in the eye last year and threw that touchdown and all that. It's always when he's in the grasp of someone because he literally is always in the grasp of someone because their offensive line is that bad. Um, I think it's going to play out like the Ravens-Texans game last year. I, I think it's not going to be close. Um, I, I, I can see them just if, – if you would have shown me the tape from last week, I, I could see it being the exact same thing. You, you just put the Texans jerseys on the Browns. I can see them doing that. You know, close in the first quarter and – Oh, they get they get a touchdown, and now it's ten six, you know, ten seven, and then they never even sniff it again because I just they're good, but I I think like the Browns on Sunday, I think they go into this game being like, well, let's let's go in, we'll uh, we'll take our licking, and let's get back on the plane, let's get back to Houston. You got a score? Uh, I go thirty one thirteen Ravens. Lamar nice. sits out another uh, fourth quarter probably. Yeah. Welcome to the RG3 experience. I will go. I will go Ravens 34, Texans 17. And I think that the Texans will score a little bit more. I think a lot of that will be garbage time. Deshaun, he is great in garbage time. Uh, throwing it around for his fantasy owners. He always gets it done. So he gets a couple late TV, uh, TDs as RG3s run the option with Gus Edwards um, on the other How side. How many completed uh, pl- passes for RG3 this game? RG3 will not complete a pass this game. Okay. He will, they will run the ball. He will not come in that as early as, as he will not, they will not have him throw will be my overall. Hopefully we just predict RG three completions. Oh, we should just do that every week. If this is how this is going to keep going. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm actually going to play the other side of this a little bit. I think that the game this week was a bit closer than people realize as much as I've touted Lamar Jackson and what he did. 
I think the Browns left a lot of points on the board because of their kicking game. Um, and then it just, like it does for teams, it just got away from them. Um, last year, if you, if you remember, the Texans had an opportunity to get ahead. They had that potential pass interference. Now, granted, it was thrown to DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, Marlon Humphrey was uh, maybe a little bit on him. Sure. You know, around the end zone there. They could have gotten on top, and maybe that game goes completely different if the Texans jump ahead and gain a little bit of control of the game. Who knows? We had some good breaks last week. I'm trying to, to keep the football gods um, at bay here because they certainly kicked us in the mouth in January. Uh, I think that, you know, a team is teams are going to score on us a little bit and get ahead and change the complexion of games a little more so than last year. And I think we're due for that. Now, having said that, I think that, that the proof will be in the pudding and it will be a 34 to 20 victory for the Ravens, but it won't be the route that we all think it is. Because I think despite the 41 to seven score last year, those two teams were not 34 points apart. And I don't know that the Ravens are actually 32 points better than the Browns either. The team, you know, the Ravens just continue, you know, so many times last year, they just, they just ran away with games. It starts to boggle your mind a little bit. Like, is that really possible for them to continue to do that? And we'll see on Sunday. Um, maybe they're looking ahead to the Chiefs a little bit. And also you have to keep in mind that this is the first time that a lot of these guys are going to be traveling for a road game in the NFL. You've got a lot of rookies in impact positions at right guard, at middle linebacker, both middle linebacker positions, really. Um, where they didn't have a preseason to get into a routine on the road. And so they're going to have to adjust. Uh, it's our only game in the central time zone, if I remember correctly. Um, so there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. So I wouldn't be shocked if they start a little bit slow. Uh, there's, it's a little contentious in the first half. But the Ravens will pull away towards the end, 34-20 Ravens. Fortunately, their- fortunately Part- most of those guys played for college teams. They're essentially NFL teams. True. That's true. Is this is their farthest road trip, I think, right? Correct. 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 It's the only game that's, in the central time zone. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a schedule. Speaking of uh, things that were 34 points better than something, or in this case, 34 runs, let's move to the Baltimore Orioles, who um, oh, got absolutely pounded uh, by the Yankees over the weekend in, in a sweep after we got excited about potential playoffs. That seems to now be off the table. They rebound a little bit against the Braves. Um, Five games coming up against the Tampa Rays, um, which should be fun. Uh, what do you want to see from the next um, few games here, RDT? What do you, you want to look at um, from an Orioles perspective? Who would you like to watch? Obviously, I mean, the big guy I want to keep watching is Dean Kramer. He's looked studly, his, his first two starts, both against the Yankees. Uh, you know, I think 14 Ks over that time. I thought he looked really good. Keegan Aiken tonight looked unbelievable. Um, he eight or nine K just throw really good stuff. Um, I just got a, That's a good I got team. a text that from Charlie Wisco uh, just a minute ago saying we need you guys to step up this weekend because we uh, the, the Yankees want the division. It's that's going to be a tough series. They get five. Five against anyone is hard. Five against the Rays is, is not going to be fun. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm just excited to keep watching these 
again, these young guys, the Ryan Mountcastle is going to keep breaking. Jose Iglesias literally cannot stop hitting. Um, Dean Kramer, obviously. John Means has looked really good the last two weeks. And uh, they said there's a rumor that another um, Orioles rookie may make his debut. So let's uh, Bruce Zimmerman or it's going to be someone like that. But, uh, you know, keep an eye out on that because, yeah, I think playoffs are – we can kind of throw those out the window. And now I'm also just waiting to hear what they're going to do with the draft, uh, the draft order because there's a rumor that they may do this year and last year's records combined so the Orioles would have a top two pick. So – I'd be okay with that. I would be very fine with that. Yeah. Um, you give us a top two pick, that's going to give us some talent. I agree with you. I, I think – I mean, watching just watching Mountcastle pound baseballs I think is going to be – is nice to watch. This Orioles team continues to be fun even when they lose. They, they either do like – you know, you get a, a DJ Stork dong or you get a Ryan Mountcastle dong and kind of keep you involved. And then you get kind of the Keystone Cops like terrible defense or whatever – Mm-hmm. But they just play hard, so I almost can't get mad at them. Like, I just was never mad at them all weekend. And they were not in the same – like, the Yankees, as we talked about, flipped the switch and said, uh, we are not going to miss the playoffs here, despite having one of the best rosters in baseball. And we're going to take this team to the woodshed. That's what they did. But um, it will be fun to continue to watch those young guys play. Absolutely. Yeah, so going into the weekend there, I think we had some hopes that maybe they could surprise us, do whatever. I think it was the first game, um, first or second inning. I think on last – First inning. First inning. It was just – I said that if if the Orioles score early and they get a little energy going, you know, maybe that gives them enough momentum and a lot of energy that that can do spirit where they make a weekend of this thing. Well, let me tell you, the weekend went the opposite direction. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the, the bottom of the first up there in the Bronx is one of the biggest shit shows I've seen on a <laughs> Uh I mean, we had guys missing cutoffs. Uh, was it Cedric Mullins on that? that He had no business trying to throw a guy home. late mm-hmm. from left center. Um, and not just, not just tried to throw home, but missed home, like, up the third baseline by – 30 feet, where his cutoff man had no chance whatsoever cutting it off. You give a guy an extra base. It's not just the fact that the, the Yankees were, were hitting, hitting the ball all over the place in that first inning. When a team that isn't supposed to be contending goes into a game like that and needs to do all the little things and play fundamental baseball, and the other team has the mentality like these are the, the you know, these are the, uh, these are the Davids and we're the Goliaths when you start to throw the ball around, that's when a team like that squashes you. And the Orioles mm-hmm. got squashed in that inning. They got squashed in that game and they got squashed all weekend. And I can't help but think that that first, that first inning was the wheels coming off real quick. Yeah. And I think, I think ultimately the Yankees just, and this is, you know, not the, the hottest take of all time, have the mental edge over the Orioles. I mean, despite the Orioles taking a couple games at Oriole park a couple weeks ago, I mean, this is a team that, had just won 20 straight or, or around there um, against the birds. And, and, and they are, they were looking for a make good and the orange and black and white came in there and that's the exact team they want to see at that point. Um, and, and they did their job. Um, and as we talked about that kind of sends the Orioles out of playoff contention. Um, I'm sure there's some mathematical ways they can get in. I don't really think those are worth talking about at this point. Um, and, and you kind of, you kind of look towards the future. Um, this racing is really good though. Um, so I think, um, it will be a fun test for some of these young guys. I just said like a Dean Kramer, you know, some of these pitchers and, and guys that you're trying to throw in a tough situation against a team that 
has legitimate World Series aspirations. We really woke those guys up, huh? Huh? We really woke up those guys uh, about a month ago, huh? We've yeah, well, we've now yeah, woken up two teams. Kinda... Woken up two teams. Woke up the Rays, swept them, and then they've it's been true. incredible. And then took two of the Yankees, and now they came back and, and, and sent us to the proverbial. The Blue Jays race. even went on a run after they, uh, they played the Orioles at uh, a couple, probably two or three weeks ago. It's a and it's t- it's, it, well, it's also t- it's tough to say, but, you know, when you walk out of a series and you've lost to a team perceived to be the worst in baseball or one of the worst in baseball, that certainly is going to light a fire under a team that uh, wants to do some winning. So, yeah, the Orioles play five against the Rays this weekend. Uh, tune into those. Uh, we will see if the Orioles can, can finish strong here. Uh, I would love the top two pick. I, I think that would be – I mean, let's, let's, let's have that be the role. I don't know. Who do we need to talk to for that? Ever since I saw that that rumor was kind of floated out there, I know MLB Pipeline put out kind of like a mailbag type thing, and they were like, we're getting asked about this every, every week, and, like, I don't know how possible this is, but, like, here's what it would look like. And that's all I needed to see was that draft order. And I think they even said, like, I don't know if they're going to go by wins or win percentage. And I think they said one of them, the Orioles would pick second. One of them, the Orioles would pick third. And it was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let me tell you what. If they could somehow get in that top pick, and this is a name Orioles fans have now heard a little bit. Mm -hmm. My man Kumar Rocker at Vanderbilt. uh, I've been around a lot of college baseball the last five years. He is one of the best I've ever seen. He is absolutely tremendous. Um, And I would love for the Orioles to get him. Dude, I mean, he is a – that's a – He's a horse. No hitter in a regional final game, and that is hard to do. If you haven't followed college baseball, that is like high-pressure stuff. And he, Big time alpha dog. That yeah, was the guy – he was screaming at the other dugout, right? Yeah, he wasn't screaming that, at the Duke yeah, dugout. Give me that. At Vanderbilt. I, I would like – but it's, it's going to be another good draft. College baseball is going to be stacked this year because you had all these guys that had to come back um, because of the short draft this year. So that is going to be a very exciting product if they are able to get back on the field. We'll move from the two uh, Baltimore teams to a new segment we have here, um, aptly named after one of my all-time favorites, under-the-radar favorites, and I think I can speak for both of you um, that it is yours. It is going to be the Nick Caner Medley, Maryland Man of the Week. And Nick Caner Medley, if you don't know, former Maryland Terrapin basketball player during the mid-2000s, uh, greatest Maine export of all time. I, don't, I can't think of a better export out of Maine. I think it's Nick Caner Medley. I think he's um, a great left-handed – shooter from Maine in, in history. Yeah, too. the best small forward from uh, state north of New Hampshire. Is, Mr. Basketball. Is, Mr. Basketball in Maine. Um, and this does not have to be a Maryland person, but since we are a Maryland-based podcast, they're the Maryland Man of the Week. Um, I will start with you, Banks. Who is your Man of the Week? I'm going to have to go ahead and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pander a little bit, if you will. Uh, I'm going to say the listeners of this podcast – uh, oh, very appreciative of everybody who has shared and rated this podcast, uh, told their friends about it, followed the, the Twitter account, the Instagram account, uh, left the ratings, five stars, those who continue to do so, those who appreciate this podcast, those who have uh, read Eric and I for, for many years and should uh, get to know you, Taylor. And um, I'm sure that there are many listeners who are, are fans of you first before us too, that are getting to know us, but uh, the Taylor the Smith fan yes. club is very extensive. Is a very podcast extensive. like this, it's important to get off to a hot start and have the energy and, and really get things going. And I think that we are doing our part in terms of working hard and grinding outside MT Bank Stadium on game day and trying to get that content out there. But it means nothing if, if these other people 
uh, the fans and the listeners don't support it and share it with their friends and tell them that this is the number one podcast or this will be the number one podcast in the Baltimore area. That's what we're here for. That's our goal. Um, so many, many thanks to the listeners. I apologize that I didn't give a better answer in terms of entertainment value, but. <laughs> but you wore, you warmed everyone's heart and sometimes that's I, what you yeah. do in this life. My heart is very full right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you to, to the listeners for sure. I am not going to pander to all of you listeners Atta out boy. there. I'm, I'm going to give um, an answer to this question and I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away from Baltimore here and, and we will not talk a lot of NBA on this show because there is not an NBA team really relevant to the Baltimore area, except for the Wizards if they I ever became it. good. But the Bam Adebayo block at the end of the Celtics Miami game is one of the best blocks I've ever seen in my life. And that man needs to be recognized in a forum where I can talk. And that is not going to be here, the turtle. And that is going to be the XF52 <laughs> podcast. And I, I still can't believe it. I jumped out of my chair or off the couch. I, it was an incredible play. And that guy is one of the best players that most people do not recognize in that league. He's an all-star. And that block on uh, – Jason Tatum, as, as Scott Van Pelt put on SportsCenter last night, was cuffing that and wanted to throw it down on his head. Like that was going to be a I'm dunking on you right now. And Bam Adebayo said, I'm putting you in the ground. Incredible play. So he, he wanted he, – Go ahead. He's he, my man of the week. No, he's my man of the week. I mean, for I sure. He wanted man. a career-defining play in an early, you know, early part of his career, and it would have been. It was – he almost had an all-time moment, and that all-time moment was snatched away from him and stolen, and now his soul and that moment, it, it belongs to him. Yeah, it was awesome. A lot, and a lot of the kids – well, quote kids – a lot of the people on Twitter now – use the term like, oh, posterize, but they don't, they literally do not remember that we used to have posters of big dunks like that. That would have <laughs> like, that would have yeah. been an absolute posterizing dunk. And yeah, yeah I mean, like, I'll like take the poster it, of the block. Yeah. Like they give me that. It's, it's like up there with the LeBron uh, versus Tiago splitter block in yeah. the playoffs a couple of years ago. Some of those chase downs. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking, yeah, the, the, obviously the chase down in the finals is, is famous. The, the, the block that LeBron made the chase down block. Um, yeah, it was an incredible play. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, and it was, it was awesome to watch it unfold on social media too. Yeah. Seeing every angle and the slow-mos and, and just the reactions of everyone. All right, see what you got. So mine, I am, I'm going to pander a little bit, but it's, it's, and I am going to keep it kind of local. Uh, so the, the Maryland, the, the Nick Kaner medley Maryland man of the week is going to be uh, a female. And for, for me, um, someone very close to me, my wife. We were wow. We were wow. yes, yes, uh, yes. The lovely Lauren. <laughs> we were taking brownie points. We here. were taking Jesus. a walk Monday evening, Tuesday, Monday, and with our daughter, and we were just on our normal route, and a woman came out of her house screaming with an unconscious child over her shoulder, oh yelling God. help. So my wife ran over, called nine one one, kept the mother calm. Um, we figured out that the kid had fallen and knocked his face off the hardwood floor and uh, was as limp as they come. So, uh, you know, wow. I, I controlled oh the God. dog. I controlled the dog and, and Joe. Uh, Lauren kept the mom and, and the kid, you know, pretty calm. And we waited for the fire truck and the ambulance. And, yeah, it was uh, – so she is my Nick Kaner medley Woman of the week. What we'll call person like, of the week. You we'll are glowing talking about that story. That is that is beautiful stuff. You are yeah, beaming it's, with pride. It's, it's not a big deal, you know. We uh, yeah, we you know we we saw someone in in need and 
Credit to wifey. Wow. Yeah, was, I almost feel was... bad about now to give my honorable mentions. I don't really know how to follow that, but I'm <laughs> yeah. going to, I'm going to do it anyway. Go for my it. Honorable mentions. Cause this can be anything, man, woman, thing, entity, whatever. Uh, Kevin Harlan, who I mentioned earlier, cause he's awesome. I can't wait to hear him call the game. So Most good. underrated announcer in sports. I think. Yes. Nikola Jokic, who dominated the atrocious sure. Clippers in the fourth quarter on, uh, on, on Tuesday night, which is very fun to watch. And Real the big quick. 10. And Real the big quick. 10. The big 10. For sure. For Jokic. I'm talking to a friend who last night told me that he thinks Jokic is like a top five center all time in the NBA. That's the talk that's starting right now. And, and I it's wanted because of how to, good of a passer he is. And, and it was, I said Shaq would eat him for lunch. And he said all he has to do is keep taking threes. There's a lot of, <laughs> this is going to be an old school reference. And it, this actually goes back to Shaq because they played against each other. There's a lot of Arvita Sabonis yeah. and Nikola Jokic. That mm-hmm. is kind of the comp because of how he passes and the vision that he has. Yep. Um, there's some Bill Walton there too. That was what Van Gundy and, and Mark Jackson were going Walton, back and forth. Yeah. He's beef. Fucking Bill He's Walton. He's a beefy dude. For two, for two kind of dated references. Um, yeah, the Big Ten is an honorable mention because um, we will play Big Ten football again. That was on my list. Uh, and that, that, is big, that is big for me and, and big for everyone, but especially so me. Yeah, I've got show. a couple of honorable, honorable mentions here. I could have also pandered to Lamar Jackson, but that's just too easy. I mean, now we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson he restored, for eight hours a week. I know. So. He's going to be pretty much the focus of this podcast for most of this football season. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Quarter Zips. Quarter Zips are back. Yes, they are. <laughs> These yes, mornings. And it is crisp that 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 fall morning where you get that 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 cool buzz in the air. Quarter zips, I love them. They're so comfy. They are both, uh, I don't know, active wear, whatever you want to call them, depending on the quarter zip that you have. This makes you want to commute to work. Together. Yeah, quarter zips are awesome. I'm all about the quarter zips and kind of tying into that. The U.S. Open starting this week. Uh, Thick, rough, the gnarly stuff is on my mm, yes, uh, yes. honorable mention. The uh, been watching what? videos and layout and 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 this this Barstool teaser. The video should be out by now of of all the work that they're doing, the superintendents and the staff at Wingfoot. I'm very excited for for the U.S. Open this weekend and the videos of just balls being thrown in the rough and just disappearing. Uh, I anticipate potentially contenders for next week's. Maryland, uh, uh, Nick Caner, Medley, Maryland, man of the week is those people who toss the flags out there that show where the ball is. The, the amount of course setup talk is just going to be sky high. And that's always what happens at the U.S. Open. Just talk course setup to me all weekend long. <laughs> Stick flags in there. Show me, show me the, the different cuts of the rough. Tell me about the type of grass that it is. Just, just absolutely eat it, eat it all up. I mean, that's the thing. Big, big, I have, big week for the course. Big week for the course. I mean, huge week for the course. I mean, and really, is it all about the course? Is it really even about the players? It's all about the course. Yeah. Um, give me a good course and I'll be set. I'll yeah. Be I, I think I have to briefly mention the Big Ten a little bit more to say that obviously a huge announcement for that today. And as someone that works at the University of Maryland, um, is big to have Maryland football and, and Big Ten football back. Um, so that will be awesome. And, and we are going to do our best, obviously, to keep everyone safe. Um, to play, but incredibly happy for our student athletes. Get is there a that. concrete start date, week one start date for for Big Ten, or is yep, it the twenty fourth and the twenty fifth? I believe October, the twenty fifth yep. is the Saturday, but I think they're going to play a a sort of opening game. But the schedule has not been set yet. That is said with no inside information of what the schedule is going to look like. That should come mm-hmm. out later in the week. Um, but that is going to be the setup. They're going to try to play nine games in nine weeks. The one interesting thing the Big Ten did, not to go de- too far down the rabbit hole here. 
is they're going to pair up the teams from the two divisions at the end of the season for a ninth game. So you're going to have the Big Ten championship game, and then the second-place team from the East and the second-place team from the West are going to play. Third, third and third are going to play. Fourth and fourth are going to play. Fifth and fifth are going to play. Um, so it will be interesting to see what that final game is, but that gives everybody the chance to play. There is going to be some snow football in the old Big Ten this year because those games are going to be rolling into December. So uh, it's we almost, have a start date for basketball as well. It's almost like a mini bowl season that they're setting themselves up for, and they get mm-hmm. to control it. It's like a league game. So yeah, yep. It's, and some it's, of those are going to have to not be played on campus sites because you're not playing that game in Minneapolis in an outdoor stadium. Maybe they'll play it at the Viking Stadium, but at TCF oh, yeah. Banks Field or whatever that is in Minneapolis, you're not playing it. So No chance. Um, let's try to figure out this trivia question, and then we're going to hit the mailbag. I am, do you have the, the, get the uh, answers open here. Thanks. Sorry, you, you want the answers or do you want to start? Uh, I'm going to guess. And then Eric, I'll let you guess. And then mm-hmm. we'll see how many we get. I oh, am going to try to, yeah. I'm going to try to rip these off here. Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. I'm going to go all recent Aaron Rodgers and ba, 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 Tom Brady. You have the three of the five that are the relevant three of the five that are kind of part of the, the, the conversation here. Uh, I, Patrick Holmes is number I was, one. I was going to say, I have, I have kind of the same. I have, except for Brady, I would have said, I wanted to say Russell Wilson, but the, mm, sa- the, same, sure. the same in the following uh, as Taylor had. I actually have the top 10 in front of me. I can, I can elaborate once. <laughs> Give us the top 100. We'll just yeah. go Patrick, for two hours. Patrick Mahomes is number one. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson is number three. And Deshaun Watson is number four. The other two players are in the Hall of Fame. Oh. Uh, John Elway. John Elway is not it. Dan Marino. Dan Marino is number five. Can you give us a class number two? Can you give us a Hall of Fame class year? That's, uh, That's probably going to be tough to come off top. Not super recent, but somewhat recent. And it is not – so the, the question was first 23 starts. Starts. It's oh. a little bit left field. Steve Young? No. That's but a good guess because he came off – he came out of a different league. Right. He, the, this quarterback, uh, Warren Moon. No. This quarterback was not, not – didn't take your traditional route to getting his first start or his next 22 starts and won multiple MVPs in the league. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. Kurt yeah. Warner. Yeah, that was it. So to recap Dang. it here, Patrick Mahomes in his first 23 starts of his career, uh, 111.8 passer rating, Kurt Warner 110, Lamar Jackson, number three with 106.8, Deshaun Watson right behind him at 104, Dan Marino, right behind Deshaun at 104. And then to round out the list, Tony Romo is six. Dak is mm-hmm. seven. Dak. I thought about Dak. is number eight. Uh, and Chad Pennington's number nine. Oh, yes. Big Ben is number 10. Some notable statistics that I have from this, this thing that I picked up here. Um, all these quarterbacks lost less than 10 games in those 23 starts. So they all obviously, you know, they're exceptional quarterbacks. Sure, you would a think. A ton of football games. Uh, ben Roethlisberger went 20 and three, as did Lamar Jackson. Um, the least amount of interceptions in a first 23 starts of a career belonged to number one Dak Prescott. Behind, yeah, Dak does not throw a lot of picks. Mm-mm. Right behind him, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has 44 touchdowns and nine interceptions in his first 23 starts, 
And you have to remember that his first seven starts were pretty much one-dimensional. So we may at some point rename this Lamar Jackson show because that's just that's just the guy that's, that's we're just he's just unbelievable. I know. I just, wrote the blog today about him winning his fifth of his last nine starts, winning an AFC Offensive Player of the Week award. It's ridiculous. He is only improving faster than teams are learning him. It's crazy. So, I mean, we could talk ad nauseum about Lamar Jackson, as you've said. Um, I'm going to cut myself off on that because there's a lot of podcasts left to, left to talk about here, a lot of football left. So, I got another kind of quick trivia question if you want it. I'm trying to find the exact words. The quarter, he, uh, a quarterback this week tied him for the most two-touchdown passing games, I think since, since week 10 of last year. Or maybe it was week – I forget what week it was. But he and this quarterback are tied for most games with more than uh, – with, with two touchdown passes or more. Daniel Jones. It is not. Where is it? Let me, I'm trying to find it. Terrible radio. Yeah, that's oh, so dead air. I'm just going to keep throwing names at you. Tied for his 10th touchdown – his 10th game with two touchdown passes. Oh, I'm sorry, since the beginning of last year. Tied oh. for the most in AFC with Lamar Jackson. Patty Mahomes. Nope. What's the question again? Mo- Josh oh, it's Allen. Gonna, it's going to be Ryan Tannehill. It's Ryan Tannehill. It's going to oh, be yeah, Ryan yeah, Tannehill. That's just, yeah, yes, yes. I mean, I didn't even get hear the, the question clearly here. enough. Make a kick. Like, hey, make a kick, Titans. And that's, and that's our Titans minute. Yeah, that's the t- – yeah, well, that's talking Titans. Do we have, <laughs> do we have the worst, time? One of the worst kicking performances of all time. I've, do I've we have time seen. to talk oh, about the AFC North kickers in this league? I mean, this league right now with the kickers – we watched the Browns kicker. It's kind of all over the league, by the way. Doink one. They're it is all over the league, but it's especially prevalent here in the AFC North where mm-hmm. we've even got some petty wars going on. We had Siebert miss both an extra point and kind of a back-breaking field goal miss there where they had a drive going late in the second half. Odell Beckham drops a third down pass that would have moved the chains – Next thing you know, they missed the field goal. Next thing you know, Lamar Jackson drives down the field in 35 seconds and turns a, a 17-6 game that could have been a 17-9 game or even a 17-13 game going into half. Next thing you know, it's 24-6 of the half. The momentum swings that the Ravens are capable of are incredible, but that just goes to show what the value of a kicker is. And also don't drop the football ODB. Um, but the Browns cut Seabird after this game and the Bengals with their situation with Bullock doing the old uh, <laughs> calf cramp uh, mm-hmm. field goal miss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I shanked that. Now I'm hurt. E- yikes. Um, for them to pick him up this week off of waivers. And then for Kevin Stefanski to immediately say, when asked the question, do you have any, it was some along the lines of, do you have any thoughts or do you have any fear or if, if the kick, comes down to Siebert making it to win the game against you. Are you worried? And he said, no, not at all. There you go. And there you have it. Some little petty wars. Next next week he'll be kicking for Tennessee. So it'll be great. (laughs) He can just go, he can go all the way around the league. The kicking, I mean, the dude kicking for the Rams shank one like it was like me on the tee. I mean, it was it was horrible in that in that first half against Dallas. And didn't Legatron miss one for the Cowboys? Yeah, he missed one too. I mean, it, it, it's a tough league. To McAfee, watch. I know people were blown at McAfee, the, you know, this Sunday night, and he was like, guys, I legitimately have no idea why every kicker except for Tucker is, is missing. 
Yeah. And then Black, that's Rodrigo Blankenship, who was awesome in college, he shanked one for the Colts. I mean, it's a I blessing can't... to have Justin Tucker. It is an absolute blessing. Someone, someone on, on Monday night, someone tweeted me after I think I tweeted, stay in Denver, at Steven Goskowski. Um, I think someone said, like, all right, send over A.J. Brown – uh, Derrick Henry and two first, and we'll send you Tucker. And I was yeah. like, yeah, let's just, just send it over. Let's do it. There's not – I wouldn't – I don't know if there's anybody in the league I would trade him for at this point. I can't argue. Yeah, there it is. I mean, I, you're speechless. You guys are all I, speechless. I, there's, there's nobody. I don't know if we touched on it in the recap. I think we did briefly. But Justin Tucker just yelling, still fucking got it as he makes his first field goal of the year, is yeah. so goddamn He's a legend. alpha. Uh, I talked to some for a guy sources. for a guy who sings opera in a in a Royal Farms commercial. It's wait, he sings it's... opera. Yeah, yeah, oh, I've never, never heard, heard that. that. Yeah, it's never Alejandro Villanueva served in the military. I oh, shocked that either. Yeah. I don't believe that. Kyler either. Murray played baseball. Dude, Dude, that's no. why he slides so well. I'm not Le- buying Le'Veon any of this, Bell, yeah. pretty patient going in the hole there. Um, pretty patient, not when you hurt. <laughs> not when you hurt every game. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I heard from some sources. Um, not going to mm. name any sources, but sources who may or may not snap be the close to the situation. Yeah. They may be seven yards in front of the kick. Uh, gave a non confirmed confirmation that indeed that that was Justin Tucker's voice that yelled that. And um, in addition to giving that non confirmation confirmation pretty much said, I mean, I said to him, if that is what he's saying the first time that the, there's no crowd and the mics are on, I can't imagine what Justin Tucker is saying as he makes some of these other big time kicks throughout the years. And the response to that was, ha ha ha. There is no way that they would ever mic up Justin Tucker. And there so, I mean, Stop. if he, the, the Monday night kick in Detroit, God knows what he was saying when he made that 61 yarder. <laughs> We will roll from Justin Tucker, who is another guy that's going to get talked about a lot on this. We'll roll into the mailbag. And first of all, thank you to the listeners, speaking of listeners, for throwing in questions first week of the mailbag, which we didn't even give a lot of notice to. If you want to send us a question, exit52podcast at gmail.com. DM any of us on Twitter or our social media channels. We'll, we'll get it that way too. So a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, but we got some questions here. We will roll around the horn. I'll ask the first one to you guys. And this is from Ravens Rule, R-O-O-L-28. Is Lamar Jackson already a more legendary Raven than your boy Joe Flacco? Thanks. Well, first off, Ravens Rule 28 sounds like one of those preteens that kicks my ass in Call of Duty on the weekends. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of shout out to you and appreciate you yeah. asking those. Well, it's, it was the spelling of the Ravens Rule, R-O-O-L. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyways – uh, is Lamar a more legendary Raven? Uh, there's no chance that you could answer that question. Yes. At this point, what Joe Flacco did in 2012 is unprecedented, literally in the entire history of the league, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, absolutely balled out, earned every dollar that, that, that contract that he got. And as much as a, it was much maligned in town and may have caused some cap crunches over the next few years, he earned it. He, he straight up put his money where his mouth was and earned it. It was legendary in every sense of the word. And Lamar, as much as he has accomplished things that are special too, and he's still young, we're still in year three, year two and a half, whatever you want to call it for Lamar Jackson. You simply cannot call him more legendary than Joe Flacco yet. Time will tell. There's a lot, a lot of time for him to take that reign from Joe Flacco. 
But for now, the answer is Joe Flacco. Yep. One's got a chip and one doesn't. That's pretty much how it goes. Exactly. I think that's exactly, right. exactly what it comes down to. And until and, and Lamar has multiple Lombardies and, you know, they're up there with his uh, MVPs, then, yeah, it, it, it has to be Joe. Ask me in five months. <laughs> Maybe a different answer. Hopefully a different answer. So, uh, with that said, if we're uh, moving on to the next question from Alex Haney, who is at that guy 0915. When are we going to see Yasniel Diaz in Baltimore? Mm, one of the top prospects in the Orioles system. Um, that's going to be interesting. Uh, I have a nice well-placed mole in Bowie, my man Justin Galanti, who called games to them last year, who gave me this report on Yasniel Diaz. Has all the tools you want in a player. He can hit for power, has some speed, excellent defender, plays the game very hard, has struggled with some injuries, and he's been inconsistent since he's been acquired um it doesn't it's interesting to see how mike elias feels about him as opposed to dan duquette because he's been a part of both regimes in terms of trades um but is very toolsy and has a lot of things you see from a successful player so shout out to my guy jg play by play rising star you're going to see him doing big things with all of that good information said i think he's going to be a guy that mike elias wants to bring along slowly for a lot of those reasons being toolsy you know, not maybe having the one that stands out like a Mount Castle, whereas RDT said last week, you're like, it's big league ready to bat. We just need to make sure these, all these other things are kind of caught up. Whereas Diaz, you're trying to figure out how to kind of coalesce this entire package. Um, so I think they're going to be patient with him. And I think he will start next season in the minors. And then it'll be interesting to see probably with Bowie. And then it'll be interesting to see kind of how he progresses. He played fine with Bowie. Uh, he was not awesome with Bowie um, last year. And obviously there's no minor league season this year. Yeah, and, and I'm going to pretty much echo everything you're saying. The injury bug was, I think, the big thing that jumped out at people last. And it's always soft tissue. It's always, oh, he tweaked the hamstring running down to first, or he, he did this, catching a ball. And it's just those little nagging injuries that he can't seem to get away from. But it's a good point as to what Elias thinks of him because, yeah, Dan Duquette's the one that traded for him in that, that Machado deal along with Dean Kramer. And yeah, he could be a he could be a nice outfield piece. I know right now they have the three homegrown outfielders with Austin Hayes, <clears throat> sorry Austin Hayes in left, Mullins in center, and then DJ Stewart, who's Babe Ruth now all of a sudden in right. <laughs> and that's you know they're tough to get on, Babe out of the lineup. Yeah, yeah, but you know there's Santander still out there next year when he's healthy. Who knows if Mountcastle is going to stay in at first and left? Trey is still an option next year for the outfield. Even though once the Davis thing is kind of cleared up, then then that opens up some other doors. But yeah, if it, it, he's definitely an interesting guy to to keep an eye on, and and I I think I'm I'm with you where he'll start out next year, hopefully in Bowie, get elevated to Norfolk at some at some point, and then maybe he is that first outfielder guy that we see, you know, get called up next year. And then with that, we're going to Nate Eicholtz. Twitter name at Nate underscore Eicholtz for you guys. Any concern with the Texans game this week after the dismantling last year? I'm not that worried. And I know we kind of talked about that uh, earlier, but any, any worries with, with the Texans? My short answer is no, I'm really not concerned. I, I think that Deshaun Watson, I love Deshaun Watson when he's not playing the Ravens. I, I think he's an awesome guy and an awesome player, but I think the Ravens are better really in every facet of the game here. Um, with the exception of some of the 
as Black talked about, guys like J.J. Watt on the other side. But I think I think this is going to be a, a game the Ravens go in and win. Um, whether that's comfortable or not, I don't know. But I think uh, it'll be two and zero coming off of uh, coming out of Sunday. Hundred percent agree. I I kind of expressed uh, my hesitation. I, I want to stay on my toes. Maybe it's just to suspend some belief from myself to get myself up on game day to be like, hey, this is because this game does mean something. I mean, they all mean something, but. The Texans are a team that are definitely going to contend in the AFC South. They're a team that very well we could see uh, in a divisional round or, or wherever in January. You want to send a message to a team like that. You want to let them know and let the NFL know that um, we're coming full steam into, into week three. And like I said, we might be due after some good bounces and some good fortune last week and some incompetency. Not that the Texans are immune to that whatsoever with Bill O'Brien at the helm. Um, but there, there could be some, some, some flip of the coin there from last week where some bad breaks come the Ravens, uh, Ravens way where they have to face some adversity. And there's a small degree of me that I kind of wants them to, to face that, that, I feel like Lamar continues to prove so many, so many things in the way that they get ahead of games. And I'm almost getting bored of being proven right about the things that Lamar does getting ahead of teams and building two touchdown leads that I want an opportunity for him to prove and shut up some of these people that think that the way he throws the football is not something that can, that he can't do when they're down a score or down two scores even. So I'm not at all rooting for that to happen, but I wouldn't surprise me if that's the way it plays out. Um, but ultimately, I think I'm just trying to, to, to twist my brain into thinking that this game will be more than it is because ultimately all the facts point to the Ravens are probably two scores better than the Texans. So You want to get rid of your Lamar Jackson media take angst. Right there, from, from it'll never, yeah, it'll never go it'll, away. It'll and, never and, go away. It's never going. And, and I, I mean, I have a whole spiel that I mean, I'm building a list. It's even a segment that we wrote down that we weren't sure we were gonna do, and I don't know if you were gonna work it in, Taylor, but I'm just gonna work it in right here. Uh, I mean, the mailbag is is being put on pause here for a second. I'm building a list of these people who said going into the season that Lamar Jackson cannot throw the football. It's so preposterous. If you watch the games, if you watch every snap that the guy takes, drops back, moves forward in the pocket, moves around, feels the pressure, and doesn't sprint away. So many guys who have the skill set he does when they come into the league or two, three years into the league, when they feel that pressure, they run. Lamar Jackson stands up, moves forward, climbs the pocket, fires footballs in great spots. If you have eyeballs, if you're watching all 25 of his pass attempts, there's one nasty one that he had where he's rolling left, floated one up. One bad throw he had last week, but the rest were all great throws where the incompletions were just narrow incompletions. So I'm coming for, I believe, Kyle Brandt is number one. I mean, he came out. <laughs> And he said, and shout out to Good Morning Football. I think that they're the best morning football team on cable television. They are. Very they definitely good. are. Um, and shout out to Pete Schrager. I think he, he was the, one of the, the big allies last season as the season went on. Um, but Kyle Brandt coming out in a, JJ, or a, a TJ Watt jersey and giving his Steelers 
uh, AFC champion prediction and him going on a media tour where he's wearing his TJ Watt jersey on Jolie Molinaro's show. Kyle Brandt, you're on the list. He's on the list. Um, Stu Finer in uh, Barstool Sports Advisors. I mean, he's prone <laughs> to being over the top. He does what he does. Loves the Steelers as a value. Whatever. You're on the list. Pete Prisco is a big-time <laughs> list guy. Pete Prisco putting the Ravens, I believe, at five on the power rankings. The Steelers at four. I think the Packers were at two. I don't remember who was at three. The Chiefs, the Chiefs deserve to be at one. They've earned it. They're king of the mountain. Wearing they the crown. Yep. They absolutely deserve it. We want it. We think that we're good enough to go get it. We have to prove it. We know that. That's kind of like what the angst is. That's the true angst that you reference is – going and getting that crown. We can't get it until we have the opportunity to get it. And week three is not that opportunity. It's an opportunity to send a message that we're coming. But anyways, Pete Prisco putting the Ravens at five and the Steelers at four is absolutely preposterous. If you had done that before the season, it was preposterous. If you did it after Sunday, I know you're not watching the football games. I know you're not. Because what the Steelers look like on, on Monday night, they played a decent game, you know, Big Ben made some throws, defense but he didn't good. look exceptional. I mean, the defense, we knew what the defense was going Bad on. offensive line for the Giants, bad. But, but Big Ben did not fire the football down the field. He made a lot of intermediate throws. He hit the open throws. He hit the, 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 the easy stuff to his left. But I saw nothing that said Big Ben is – Mr. 5,000 yards when he throws 60 times a game. Not the over-the-top throws that he used to hit to, to Antonio Brown and Mike Wallace and, and Emmanuel Sanders. Was it hitting sure. on those throws? No. Yeah, I'm on one right now, and I had to introduce a list because the list is going to be a running thing all year as people continue to doubt him. Stay updated on the list. And I've got one, one left <laughs> that, like, listen, this guy is the king of takes. He is – Number one, the most entertaining guy on television when it comes to sports takes. We know that he's just – it's just what he does. But we came across the take that two months ago, Stephen A. Smith said, still made the, the Lamar Jackson-Tim Tebow comparison. And I know that I had maybe seen it, heard about it, saw it mixed in, but it became relevant to me because he, he built the Tim Tebow-Lamar Jackson take into um, – a discussion about Deshaun Watson and what he can do versus what Lamar can't. And it was just so incorrect. And the only reason I went after, well, I, I mean, I, I retweeted the video of him saying this because he just spouted off a take to saying, Oh, I never had bad takes. And I was so hot on this list, <laughs> so hot on my, my revenge tour, whatever you want to call it. It's not a revenge tour but just a stomp and, and dance on the graves of, of the haters. And that's like, that is what's keeping me hungry this year is the people that continue to doubt him. I'm sorry to go off on this, this long no, tangent. No, no. Stephen A is on like the Chris list. Like Chris Jericho used to do. Like Chris Jericho used to do. Put him on the list. You just made the I list. I hijacked the shit out of this <laughs> mailbag because I needed to know. Like I'm getting you the Chris Jericho list. We're getting the list. This list, list has getting been made. The list. And I am adding to this list. Weekly. We're getting. We're gonna get a clipboard. We're gonna get a clipboard that says the list, like Chris Jericho. That's what we're gonna do. To, we have to make, a list. We have and a I, list. I am. I'm ready for whenever the day comes where Lamar Jackson is the king of the mountain, dancing, and whether it be Tampa this year or all the years after, 
I'm remembering this list and I'm letting these people know. And the list I'm sure will, will continue to grow. We will head. We have two more questions here. First one from at odd seasons. Will Ryan Matt Castle land it first for good if Davis doesn't come back or is he moved to left field? I mean, first of all, Chris Davis, God love the man. God love the man because he seems like a very, very good human being. But man, oh man. I mean, he's going to leave at some point, And it, I, I would love for him to get another opportunity to be a good baseball player, but it doesn't seem like it's happening. Ryan Mountcastle, though, is he a first baseman or a left fielder, RDT? I mean, we've only seen him at first base, I think, once or twice since he's been up. So it's even hard to kind of gauge how he, how he is there. And then it's like, if you keep him at first, what do you do with Trey? I think Trey's probably the best defensive first baseman they have when he's healthy and when he's available. I don't know. Cause they, they said they don't want him to be a DH. They don't want him to be the Mark Trumbo where all he does is hit. I wouldn't mind because he seems to do pretty well at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Who's the better left fielder? Probably. I feel like that's a better question. Trey Mancini, Chris Davis, or Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> There's a two-man discussion here. <laughs> right field Chris Davis. Oh, I love right field Chris or Davis. Or third love base it. Chris Davis. People forget that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I want to see him stick. And, again, he hasn't made any crucial errors yet um, to cost him a game or anything in left field. And he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been terrible. I, maybe you – then, again, it's like you have that crowded homegrown outfield. I don't know where he, where he goes um, if, if, if and when Davis leaves and, and – depending on Trey next year, he, he may be the starting first baseman on opening day. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I think that, I think that he's, he's going to be in the lineup no matter what is the real answer to the, to the Ryan Mountcastle question. Cause that dude absolutely rakes. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard a, a really interesting uh, quote from Buck Showalter today. It was essentially when guys are major league ready or they're close to it, you can't keep them down in the development phase for three or four years because they start to build that in as an excuse for why they're not producing when they get called up or whatever it might be. It was just an interesting perspective. You got to throw guys into the fire sometimes. I don't know whether they overseasoned Mount Castle or what he's hitting the shit out of the ball. Now, if he was up earlier in the season, I don't know, maybe they win a couple more games and, and are a little more in the mix here. I don't know, but uh, just wanted to throw in uh, to just mad respect for Buck Showalter, and I thought that that was a really um, on-point take there from him and really interesting perspective, and it had a lot of relevancy to Mount, uh, Mount Castle and some of these prospects. Yeah, I mean, when, when Buck talks, everyone in Baltimore listens. So exactly. That's, uh, yeah, damn good quote by Buck. So this one, I'm, I'm putting this, on, this one on a tee for you guys. This is from Alex Carroll. At AJ Carroll 15, and he says, Power rank these three Baltimore legendary teams Orioles, Ravens, and I guess one of the, the newer put together teams in the area, the Pandas. Well, I, I, this, this is not a hard, hard question uh, for me. Um, I think that obviously, first of all, shout out to Alex. Um, it's a great question from Alex, who I think will be a very consistent listener of this show. Um, it is um, the Pandas, uh, for me, are number one, uh, pretty clearly. Um, the Ravens are number two for me in my personal power rankings, and the Orioles are number three. And that's 
nothing against the Ravens or the Orioles, um, who are, you know, legendary Baltimore franchises that everyone in this um, listenership is excited about and, and, and watches and, and cares about. But there's, there's something to, to winning championships every single time you step on the field. And that is what the Pandas, who plays in the Volo City Cup in Hand Kickball A-League every fall and spring, does here in Fed Hill at either McHenry Row or other assorted fields. It doesn't really matter what field this team Some, is on. Sometimes D.C. Sometimes D.C. Yeah, also won a regional championship, um, proving to be the best two-handed kickball team as well in the uh, – D.C., Baltimore, Metro area. Now, I do have to put a qualifier on this. I am on this team. Uh, Banks, you're also on this team. That's correct. Um, and it is one of the great families I've ever been a part of. And we've won 11 boots. You win. If, not, if you haven't played one of these, these uh, Velocity things, you get the, you know, the beer boot. We've won 11 of them. If there's anybody else on this pod uh, listening to us that plays against us or plays in these leagues, Sorry, we're better than you. We're better than all these teams. Um, and we continue to win. And shout out to Alex, who's also on that team. And I, there's really not much else to say other than the Pandas are the, are the biggest winning outfit in this entire city. And honestly, if there's, another, if there's another kickball team that listens to our show, challenge us and we'll play in an exhibition. When, when, the, when COVID's over, when we, we get through, when our team is comfortable with playing, which currently we are not. We will be back on the Volo City Fields, first of all, in the Cup and Hand A League, taking on all comers. But if, you, if you're from, you know, a different league, you play, we normally play on Thursdays, you play on a different night, you want to come, come to the King, the Pandas? Come get that smoke. Come get the smoke. And, and I say that as someone who, has, who is the, the, the PR director of this team. So I'm not out here normally making bold statements, but I don't think there's anybody we can lose to. And that's all I have to say about that. That's a, number one. I mean, the Pandas are an absolute uh, dynasty, if you will. Yes, um, a wagon. Now, now I, I am an absolute pawn here. I, I am going to give my power rankings, and I am going to put the Orioles at third, unfortunately. Uh, they have to be put there. I wish that wasn't the case, but, I mean, we've seen what the Orioles have done the last couple of years. It's just – it's unfortunate. Anyways, uh, the Panthers are going to land at two, actually, for me. Um, and the Ravens are going to land at one because ultimately they could probably – physically harm us and I would not want to see them on a kickball field and if we were to step on a football field it would be even worse they have Justin Tucker Justin Tucker and Sam Cook would be enough from a kickball team perspective to probably stop us none of them kick better than Brian Gibbons none of them that may be true and no one I don't know if anyone's faster Lamar Hollywood. Give me our full outfit. None of them are playing catching better than, than, than Joe Carroll. None of them are playing the middle of the infield better than Pat Dugan. I'll tell you that right now. Nobody's sure. pitching better than Sammy D and Grace. Yeah. So that that's just I'm just shouting at pandas. Yeah, I don't shout know what Charles the they're bringing to the table. That's a fair point. Shout out, shout out to the pandas. Fantastic team, and uh, shout out to the Ravens and the Orioles. But yeah, so uh, that's an open challenge. I just want to reiterate: is an open challenge to anybody that thinks their kickball team is better than our kickball team. And we will take anybody on after we head back um, um, to play here. So thank you for that question, Alex, a proud member of our team and uh, someone that will continue to play as we head into the future. And with that, that's the first mailbag. Like we said, send in your questions, exit52podcast at gmail.com. 
RDT Banks, myself on Twitter. Shoot us those DMs, Instagram DMs, X52 Podcast, either of those, shoot the DMs. Tweet them at us if you don't want to do the DM thing. Put it all out in the open. We'll answer it that way. Really appreciate people sending in because, like I said, we didn't give you a ton of notice and we, and we still got some great questions there. Um, and that brings us to the end of the second episode of the Exit 52 Podcast. Really appreciate everyone listening. Like, like Banks said in the, in, the, in the first part of this, awesome response we've gotten from so many people. Um, continue to like, uh, rate, review the podcast, download and subscribe on whatever, wherever you get your podcast that really helps us out, uh, and keeps us going. We're going to continue to grind for you guys on social media, delivering the content you want. We're going to be out and about in Baltimore, um, at all the different places going to try to get out and about on game days as much as we can with, with what's going on with COVID to try to try to appear and kind of be around the community and show those things off. Um, and that is sort of the lifestyle part of this podcast that we want to get into, um, and that some of that stuff comes from you being invested in those things. Um, we don't want this to just be about, you know, what are you hearing about the Ravens and the Orioles? We also want it to be about all those other things. Yeah. We don't want this to be a vacuum where we're just, the three of us are just talking a whole bunch. We love the mailbag. We love the questions. The questions were great tonight. We want to continue to get those questions. We want to be out there in the community interacting with you guys. We want to have some fun on Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Um, this thing grows, we need to grow this together. The three of us are not going to grow it on our own. It's about a, being a community, being, um, I don't know, a, a podcast group here, just, just grinding and working hard. And that's kind of what Baltimore is all about. Just kind of a, a nose, the grindstone kind of mentality. And so far, I think we're working pretty hard to try to get the word out about our podcast and everything that you guys are doing spread that word whether it be through word of mouth through retweets or ratings five stars everyone who's done that very appreciative with that said we are also very open to the feedback we have gotten so much positive feedback and we have gotten some constructive suggestions not criticisms i would even say but but suggestions and and we're very much a work in progress here where this is our second third second and a half podcast um we want to make this thing really great and we want to make it together with you guys. And that's, uh, that's why we're here. You know, podcasts, are, they're not about just, uh, like I said, three people just speaking out into the abyss about a topic. We got to do this together. So fans of the podcast, fans of, of the three of us individually, whatever it might be, everything you're doing so far is noticed and we're appreciative. Please continue to do it. If you can, please tell your friends to do the same. Thank you so much. We're going to keep making this thing great. Absolutely. Very well said. And uh, follow us on all those channels at Exit 52 Podcast. Barstool Banks for my man Banks down there. E-D-I-T-T-I. 21? Did I do it from memory? Oh, uh, 22. 22. 22. RDT. I, I tried to do it from memory so it's, bad. I'm going to hit right. that. I'm going to start to hit that with so much flow as we get through this. But I got to spell it out for the people. Um, with your 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 Twitter rows in the, in the future, hopefully we'll get back to that original handle at some point. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, it's, <laughs> we're, we're gonna get we're, Jack we'll Dorsey get on the show. We're gonna figure it out. You can follow me at Taylor Smythe Ten, all of my stuff, and we will see you for instant analysis post Ravens Texans on Sunday. Um, we'll get to that and then back to the regular show next week. Um, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you around.